Brittany is delivered from a demonic spirit. She was battling for a long time. So we praise God for that as well. Amen. Amen. God is able. Thank you, Jesus. All right, the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. If you're there, say praise the Lord. I hope I didn't offend anybody by trying to communicate what happened there. But I had a good time. I had a good time. 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, beginning with verse 1. A crisis of faith in Abraham's life. Huge crisis in his life. Major crisis. It is called uh, the Jewish understanding of this passage is called the binding of the sacrifice. Uh, I believe it's pronounced the Akeda. I might be a little bit off on the pronunciation. The Akeda. But that simply means the binding of the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, this is the most important passage. Okay, in the Old Testament, especially in the Jewish mind. It really comes only second to one other story, and that is the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing that is greater than what I'm about to preach to you uh, this morning. The binding of the sacrifice, because it is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. Test of faith for Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Some pronounce it Moriah. And offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Lord Jesus, I come before you in your awesome name. I give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We ask, Father, that you bless your people, Lord God, through the preaching and teaching of your word. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God has already done great things in the life of Abraham. The Bible tells us now it's time for a test of his love. A major test of his love. A test of his love. A test of his faith. A test of his obedience to God. A major, major test that God comes to Abraham with. And that test is God, the Bible says God did tempt Abraham. Now, if you'll notice in the Bible in that first verse, the Bible says God tempted Abraham. But the Bible says in the book of James that God doesn't tempt any man. So what we have to understand is when the Bible says God tempted Abraham, Temptation, the devil tempts us. Temptation is, amen, are you all aware of this? That the devil will come to you and he will come to me and he will tempt you. And, and when he comes to you that way with temptation, it's always uh, to, to entice us to do evil. Amen? God doesn't tempt us in the sense that when He comes to us uh, to test us, He doesn't tempt us or try to entice us to do evil. If ever or if at any time you feel a temptation to do something evil, it's never God. God will never tempt you or tempt myself to do something evil. But He will test us. 
So it is the devil that tempts us or entices us to do evil and using that fallen carnal nature inside of us to fall, amen, into his trap. The Lord comes and he tests us. He puts us to the test. He puts me to the test. He puts you to the test. He put Abraham to the test. And that test in Abraham's life is a test of his love and his commitment to God. Abraham, do you love God more than even your own son? Does God mean more to you than even the offspring, Isaac? Which is more important? Who is more important to you, Abraham? Is it God or somebody else? And so God is going to test Abraham in this area. And oftentimes He will test you and I in this area. Do you love God more than anything? Do you love Him more than your husband, more than your wife, more than your children, more than anything in this world? Do you love God more than that? And oftentimes God will come to us and He will test us. It is a direct thing that God is doing. Okay? Testing our love. Do we really love God? And I know I've been through tests in my life. How many have been through tests in your life that test your love and commitment to God? What is more important to you in in life God and and he will find out if we love him more than anything he will test it he won't just leave it to our mouths a lot of people are mouthy a lot of people can talk about how much they love God and and so on but when then God comes to them and says okay this is I have something I'm requiring of you that's going to test whether or not what you're saying is a reality or not and oftentimes when God comes to you with that kind of a test it is something that means more to you than life. In the case of Abraham, his son Isaac meant more to him than life. And this was the very thing that God came and required from Abraham was that Abraham would offer up his only son to God to prove to God that he really loved the Lord. Amen. So it's a crisis in the life of Abraham. And so God appeared to Abraham. This is the seventh appearance of God to Abraham up to this point. He has appeared to Abraham six other times. He comes to Abraham the seventh time and requires of Abraham his son, his only son. Notice what it says in verse 2. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, when we look at that and we see God say, Thy son, thy only son Isaac, we think about another son that Abraham had whose name was Ishmael. But when God comes to Abraham, He doesn't say to Abraham, Take one of the two. He doesn't even acknowledge Ishmael. He doesn't even count Ishmael. God doesn't. He says to Abraham, He said, Take thy son, thy only son so as far as God from God's perspective Isaac was the only son that Abraham had or if I would put it this way the only one that God was willing to count God only counts those that should be counted so he doesn't say you're you know one of two he said your son and your only son. He didn't even count Ishmael. He only counted the ones that count. From God's perspective, if 
if, if many churches, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, if many churches would count people the way God counts people, there would be a decrease in their statistics. Because there's a lot of people that go to church that are Ishmael's. They are not Isaac's. They are Ishmael's. They are people who are fleshly and carnal and they are led by their flesh. They're not led by the Spirit. And, and so when God looks at the church all over the world, there are Ishmael's in that church. He doesn't even count them. He only counts the promised sons or the seed, the true seed of Abraham, those that are walking by faith. And this is the way it should be done. But a lot of times people get caught up in numbers, you know. Uh, and, but God doesn't get caught up in numbers. He only counts those that count. Amen. So when God comes to Abraham, He says, Take your son, thy son, thy only son. Obviously, Isaac is a type of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the story. And Abraham is a type of God the Father in the story. So the only begotten Son, if you will, is typified here in, in this call from God to Abraham. Now, I ask you this question. How would you feel if God came to you and said to you, I want what you love more than anything? Are you willing to give it up for me? Are you willing to put a relationship on an altar and prove to me that, that I'm more important to you than that relationship? Are you, if he were to come to you and ask you uh, for your children, who do you love? Do you love your children more than God or do you love God more than your children? Amen. I don't know what form of test will come to you, but God will often come to us and ask us for things that we love the most in our life to determine if we really do love him or not. And so this is what God does. Here in verse 2, he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, you love. Amen. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And I want you to notice something, that when God comes to test us, uh, our love and a commitment for him, and he comes and he requires of, uh, from us something that we love very much, in this case Isaac, I want you to notice that God did not explain himself. A lot of times, it's, isn't it nice when God comes to you and He puts you to the test as far as how much do you really love Him? Is He number one in your life? When He comes to test you that way, oftentimes when uh, something of that level of commitment and sacrifice is required of us, we want God to explain why. And, and it isn't, isn't it nice when, when something is required from us that would be very difficult to do, something very hard for us to do? Isn't it nice if God explains it to us? I think it's pretty nice. If when God comes to you or myself and asks us for something very difficult to give it up for Him, I think it's nice if God sits down with us and explains to us the reason why He's asking us to do that. But if you notice in the Bible, God does, when He requires this sacrifice of Abraham, He does not explain to Abraham the why He is asking for that. Amen. But we, you know, people are people. And, uh, it's not surprising they would ask, say, God, well, why, 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 God, do you want this of me? 
Are we all not like that at times? When God comes to us and requires of us something that's going to be very, very, very difficult to do in life. Amen? And, and we want to kick and scream and we don't want to do it, you know, and, and all of this. And, and we kind of want to know why God, but God doesn't explain why. Because walking with God by faith does not require an explanation from God. So that when Abraham was required by God to do this, God did not explain to him the reason for it. Amen? You have to walk with God, and I have to walk with God by faith. And sometimes when God requires us to do something or to, to give up something, He's not going to give you the reason why He's requiring it. It's only your and my carnality, our flesh, our pride that thinks that we deserve to be an explanation from God as to why He's asking for this. And I also want you to notice this, that when God came to Abraham and required of him such great sacrifice, there's no explanation given to Abraham. Don't you also notice that Abraham did not debate God. He didn't question God. He just did what the Lord told him. And the Bible says he got up early in the morning. He did not delay. He got up early in the morning and went to it. Went straight to doing what God told him to do. And if God requires of you and requires of me something very difficult to do or to sacrifice to Him, the best way to deal with those difficult things He requires of us is to do them quickly. Because the longer that you and I sit around and contemplate how hard it's going to be or how difficult it's going to be, we will let carnality and unbelief get a hold of us. Now, are y'all with me here today? So when God comes to us with no explanation and requires of us to do a certain thing or to give up a certain thing, the best way that we should approach that is, all right, okay, God, I'm going to do it quickly. I'm not going to just sit around and meditate on it and think about it all the time. I'm just going to put it in action right now. And the Bible said, God appeared to Abraham in the nighttime and told him to offer his son Isaac. And the next morning, early in the morning, Abraham gets up with no delay and no question obeying God. Amen. And the Bible says with no delay, he gathered, got his son, he got a couple of servants with him, and they started making their journey to Moriah. It's about a three-day journey. A long, hard, three-day journey with a heart that is broken. A heart that is hurting. A heart that is suffering. Because Abraham has been required to give up his only son. You can only imagine, I can only imagine what that must have been like as he traveled those three days. The pain that he was going through on the inside. No tears coming down his face. We'll see in the next, next chapter, the only time that I ever see Abraham ever crying was when Sarah died. The Bible does not say that when Abraham made this three-day journey to Moriah that he ever shed a tear. But you know on the inside because of his love for Isaac that there was great agonizing suffering and pain because he's going to have be required to offer Isaac up to the Lord. He makes this long, hard trip, hard traveling, three days journey with pain in his heart. 
But he didn't let it stop him. He didn't let him let the pain, he didn't let the suffering stop him. He didn't let emotion get a hold of him. He, he had made up his mind. He's going to do what God required of him with no delay, complete and total obedience, with no explanation from God. And no matter how painful it was, he set his mind to do the will of God. And when God comes to you and I in these similar type of things, the best thing we can do is get up early, no delays, do what God tells us, give up what God tells us to give up, hallelujah. Give God, give to God what God requires us to give to Him. And even when you're going through that process of making that sacrifice in that crisis of your life, you are going to have tremendous emotion. But do not let it stop you from doing the will of the Lord. Give God praise. I want to also say this to you this morning, that the fact that God would come to Abraham and that God would require of Abraham something on that level, that level of testing, please everybody hear what I'm about to say. That level of testing is that God is requiring of Abraham the thing that he loved most in life with the exception possibly of his wife. Do you understand that? And when God did this, He did it in total faith. Trusting in God with all of His heart. Praise the Lord. Please stay focused because if I got to address you, I'll forget what I'm going to tell you. Uh, amen. And I, I may, God, the Holy Ghost may quicken it to you, but I want you to, there's some things that we need to hear that are so important and some of you are getting distracted. Don't get distracted because God is going to come to each and every one. I promise you, He's going to come into each and every one of our lives and He's going to require of us, uh, things that we must do and, and even people, relationships and situations that we must be willing to give up. And it's going to be very difficult. Hallelujah. It's hard to lose your life. But if you lose your life for His sake, you will gain it. But if you keep your life, you will lose it. And it's hard for us to give up our life and do those things that God requires of us. Are y'all with me here today? But what we need to understand is the fact that God would come to Abraham and ask of Abraham something of that level, His only son, was an honor, a badge of honor to Abraham. Because God cannot do that with everybody. He can't come to everybody and require of them something on that level. Uh, people shrink under small requirements from God. And the fact that God would come to Abraham and ask Abraham to give him his only son shows you the kind of commitment that God knew that Abraham had. Amen? So it really was a testimony to Abraham's character. It was an honor uh, to, uh, to Abraham that God would come to him with that kind of test. You see, God knows what a person can take. And so there's things that, that uh, He can't come to us and require or ask us to do because we're just not at that level. We shrink under little bitty requirements from God. But the fact that God came to Abraham and asked Abraham for that is a testimony to Abraham's walk. Most people, I'm telling you today, will shrink under the smallest little requirements that God asked them for. Would you keep living for God 
if your children weren't living for God? Would you keep living for God if your wife wasn't living for God or your husband wasn't living for God? Would you stay in the church no matter what? I'm asking you today. What if other families don't? What Are y'all with me here today? Don't get carnal and don't get fleshly. Because if God comes and asks of you something great, maybe it's a job, you're making fantastic money, God says, leave the job and begin to pastor. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to, to pack up and move and go to another place uh, in order to spread the gospel there? What, what is it that God could come to you and ask for from you? Would it be something great like uh, Isaac or would it be something small? You need to think about that and I need to think about that because you will be tested in your life. And you may be going through a trial or a test right now and it's big time, man. It's not no small little thing. It's big time. And all I can tell you is just praise God and worship God because God is trusted and trusted you with a great trial, not a small, a small trial. So if you're going through something right now and you're suffering and it's really big, just praise the Lord because God knows that even if He required that of you, that you would still be faithful to Him no matter what the cost was. Because God knows who He can ask for great things from and who He has to stay on a, on a lower level and ask small things from. Amen? And the fact that God could ask Abraham uh, of really the ultimate sacrifice is a testimony to Abraham's walk. So I don't know what you're going through right now, great or small, but if it's great, it's because God has entrusted you. He believes that you'll be faithful. He's entrusted you with this test. He's entrusted you, you with this trial. He knows you're not looking for an exit road off of the destiny. Let me tell you something. When the test comes, you need to realize there's going to be exits all along the way. And if it gets too hard for you, and it does for some people, They'll pull off of that road because it's too hard. They'll make the exits. But I want you to know that God did not, when He gave you that test and that trial, He did not think that you would do that. He didn't think you would get off the highway. He didn't think you would make the exit. When He came to you with that test and trial, He had faith in you, in your character, in your faith, that you would not do what others have done. Give God praise. And so the fact that God came to Abraham and required of him at that, at that level was a testimony to the character of Abraham himself. Amen. I preached a message years ago in a funeral service. And the, God gave me the message to preach in that funeral service. He's trusted with a tragedy. Will you have the kind of faith to make it through something like that? And later on, we'll see Abraham's got to make through, make it through a, a death situation when he loses his wife, but his faith does not lapse. Trusted with a tragedy. I don't know what you've lost in your life. I don't know what your pain is today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're, the deal, what is required of you right now, but I'm going to tell you right now that if God is asking for something big from you, it is because He knows He can. And that is a testimony that you are really, really important to God. You understand? I don't, know, don't lift your hand, but you've gone through big, 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 big stuff. And you're still living for the Lord. 
You didn't quit. You didn't quit the church. You didn't backslide. You didn't get carnal and go to the world. You stayed faithful to God no matter what it was. You kept praising God and we kept looking at you and we knew you're lost, but you kept worshiping Him anyway. You kept declaring to everybody that God is faithful no matter what the pain, no matter what the agony, no matter what the suffering was. You maintained your faith in God. So it was really a badge of honor to Abraham that God would come to him on that level and ask him for that type of sacrifice. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He knows he can't do that with everybody. Because there's some people, they'll just give up. They'll, they'll, they'll give up under the weight of even as small things. The Bible says, if we faint in the day of affliction, our faith is small. But this man was a man of great faith, so God could come to him on this level and require of him this great sacrifice. And the Bible says, Abraham rose up early in the morning. He did not delay. Again, when you're facing difficult challenges and difficult things that God's requiring of you, uh, do it quickly. Because if you sit around, you'll talk yourself out of it. Because your five senses, as one preacher, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Mahaney said, that your five senses are great evangelists for unbelief. Amen? And you sit around and you talk about, let's just say it's an offering God requires of you. And you're sitting around and you're saying, well, that sounds like the devil. I don't think the devil would ask me to do this. Amen? Well, the devil's not asking you for it. It's God. But your, your senses are evangelists for unbelief. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He didn't let that get a hold of him. He got up early in the morning. He did not delay. He, he, he made the decisions that he needed to make to get the job done. And a lot of people are never going to amount to anything from God. And I'm not saying you, but they're not going to amount any, to anything for God because they delay, they delay, they delay, they delay, they wait, they wait on commitments. And as they delay and they wait on their commitments to God, they find themselves in more and more trouble. When God comes to you the first time and calls you, you need to respond instantly. You need to get to God and get into the will of God as quickly as you possibly can. Hallelujah. Don't delay. Because if you do, your flesh is going to talk you out of it. Or there'll be some family member that'll come and knock on your door and say, Oh, don't go to that church. Why don't you go to another church? But don't go to that church. Why would they tell you not to come to this church and go to some other religious place? Because what is here is real. All I'm telling you is that when God comes to you, you make up your mind quickly. You move in action quickly. You do not delay. You do not wait. No matter how difficult it is or hard it is for you to do it, it's about God. The Bible tells us, he saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering. He rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. At this point, God only told him to go to the land of Moriah. He didn't tell him where in Moriah he would offer the sacrifice. But we know in the Bible that Moriah was a sacred place. Moriah would later become the place where David would build the temple on Mount Moriah. Moriah. The temple of God would be built at this place called Mount Moriah. But God called him, called him to go to the land of Moriah. And when you get there, he, he said, then I'll show you the mountain where all this is going to take place. But God doesn't tell us the, everything. He tells us, here's what I want you to do. And after you do that, then He gives you further revelation from there. But He doesn't give you the whole picture at one time. It's a little bit here and a little bit there. Do you understand? 
But as you take that step of faith and you obey God in that, that first step, then God gives you more revelation from the land of Moriah to the mountain, the location. The Bible says, verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. The third day. Are y'all with me? He's traveled three days. Now he sees this place afar so off. Uh, are y'all hearing the word of the Lord today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to notice something. At this point, Isaac doesn't even know he's going to be the offering. Abraham hasn't told his son, you're the one that's going to be required to die. So when the, the, the asses and the two servants go with Abraham and Isaac, they're on their way to make a sacrifice to God. And, and Isaac has no clue. He has not been told that he is the sacrifice. Abraham lifted up his eyes on the third day and saw the place afar so off. What really this is is a type. Abraham is seeing God in the future. He's seeing when God would come in the form of a man, the only begotten Son of God would die, crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, He would rise again from the dead. So that when Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw afar off, it was the third day. It's a type of Him seeing God in the future. When he would come in the form of a man and die on the cross and be resurrected from the dead on the third day. And the Bible said, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He said, I need to leave you here, you two servants, with the ass. We're going to make our way, Abraham and the young man Isaac, by themselves up that mountain. He had to separate himself from even the servants. Do you understand that? In order for you and I to do the will of God, at times you're going to have to separate yourself from other people. Even people that may be considered servants, you may have to separate yourself to obey God. And Abraham knew that he had to separate himself from those servants. That that servants could come with him to a certain point, but that's it. And so the Bible says that Abraham and Isaac make their way up the mountain by themselves having made that separation. And the Scripture tells us that Isaac carries the wood up Mount Moriah. It's placed upon his back. This is not a little boy that's going to be sacrificed. Isaac at this point is probably 30 years of age, maybe older. He still doesn't know he's going to be the sacrifice. But in the picture, God is going to reveal what kind of sacrifice will be required to redeem man. Can animals redeem man? No, what's going to be required is another man is going to die for men in order to redeem them. And so we see in Isaac, we see a man, not an animal, that's going to be typically sacrificed. And it is this Isaac, probably 30 to 33 years of age, that is carrying the wood like Jesus Christ did. And he still doesn't know that he's the sacrifice. Isaac doesn't. The Bible tells us in verse 6 and Abraham, uh, verse 5, I want you to see this. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. In the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the Bible says Abraham knew that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. 
So even though God told him to go and offer Isaac up on that mountain, that means to kill him. Do you understand? Abraham knew that God was going to raise him from the dead. So he looks at the servants and he says, I and the lad are going to go worship, but we will return to you. We're coming back. Not just Abraham. Abraham's not just coming back, but Isaac's coming back. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had because God promised this son to him. And if God requested that son to be given back to him, if God promised him a son and through that son a seed would become a, a great nation, then the only thing that Abraham could come to a conclusion on was this. If God wants me to kill him, that means God's going to raise him from the dead. And what I want you to understand is that nobody had ever seen a resurrection in the Bible up to that point. There's nothing that Abraham can walk on. He can't look back in the Bible and say, look, God raised somebody from the dead. We know an Enoch was translated alive, but no record of anybody ever been resurrected from the dead. But Abraham believed that God could do the impossible. Even if he had to, he could raise Isaac from the dead. So he looks at the servants. He says, I and the lad will go worship yonder, but we will return to you. Hebrews 11 says he believed that God would raise him from the dead. And so the Bible says here in verse 6, continuing, Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. I know you can see the type here, the cross, being placed on the, on the back of Jesus. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? See, he doesn't know the sacrifice is him. I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So that they went both of them together. Literally, Abraham said, God himself will become the sacrifice. When it says God Himself will provide a sacrifice, it literally means that Abraham saying God Himself will be the sacrifice. This is only a type that when Jesus would come into the world, God Himself incarnate in human form would be the sacrifice. That's what the literal means. That God will be the sacrifice. How can God be the sacrifice? Only if He puts on flesh and is incarnated in a human body. God will provide Himself a sacrifice. Say Himself. He's not going to look at His Son and, and say, okay, Son, go down there and do the wordy, dirty work. He's going to go there and put humanity on Himself and He's going to go to the cross in human form and He's going to die God in sonship. God doesn't die, but God in sonship is going to die on that cross. God will provide Himself a sacrifice. And the Bible tells us, Amen. Abraham said, My son, God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I want you to think about that. Is Abraham's heart's broken. He's got a word from God to do this. Abraham begins to gather the stones one by one. He begins to prepare one by one this altar. 
And then the Bible says he gathered the wood and he bound the wood to the altar. Or he bound the wood to his son. He put his son the wood on the altar there and there he is laying there bound. The sacrifice has been bound to the altar. Can you imagine what Abraham must have been going through as he prepared that altar stone by stone, put the wood in place and then put his son on that wood and tied him to that, to that wood? Can you imagine what he must have been going through? The pain, the agony that he must have been going through. The Bible tells us, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He's about ready to cut Isaac's throat like, a, like a, a burnt offering sacrifice. He's ready to cut his throat and kill his son. That's how much God loved, or how much Abraham loved God. He's willing to give up his own son. He's about ready to kill with the knife his son. Amen. He's obeying that first word. And I wanted to say this to you. When God comes to you and He requires of us difficult things, so on and so forth, we need to understand that we have to obey that first word until we get a second word. A lot of times we, we, we read the story and we want God to give us the second word which says, I'm not going to require that you, of you. But until you get that second word, you have to obey the first word. And so Abraham, obeying the first word from God, he lifts up that knife, man. I mean, in just a split second, in just the last moment, when Abraham's about ready to come down and cut his son's throat, the Bible says the angel of the Lord comes and stops Abraham as he's about to come down. It's as good as done. That's the point. The sacrifice, even though God is going to stop him from doing it, is as good as done in God's eyes. The Bible says in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. He stopped him with a second word. Abraham is as good as done. Amen. But that second word comes. Do the lad no harm. Abraham, Abraham, the double enunciation of deity. Abraham, Abraham, five other people in the Bible have had the double enunciation of deity. Abraham, Abraham, Moses, Moses. Are you here? Samuel, Samuel, Simon, Simon, Saul, Saul. Five human beings have had their name called twice by God in the Bible, the double enunciation of deity. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Abraham, Abraham. God's going to give him a second word. Don't kill your promise. Don't kill your Isaac. But God, you told me to. I'm going to do it. But God is bringing a second word. See, a lot of times uh, you go, listen, you obey that first word until you get a second word. But when the second word comes to you, don't kill your Isaacs. Don't kill your promise. A lot of people missing, miss the second word from God and they kill their promises. God was just putting you to the test. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? Are you willing to make that offering? And if you are, oftentimes when you go to the point of doing it, God accounts it as if it was done and turns right around and gives it back to you. 
I just wanted to test you to see if you love me more than anything. I wanted to test your life. Your love was you willing to do, give even this. And I see that you love me more than anything. Amen. So I'm going to give it back to you now. Give the Lord praise in this house. But you have to be sensitive to God. You have to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. If God requires of you certain things, and he, if He brings a second word, you have to hear the second word. And you have to know it's God. Because if not, you'll say, but the Lord told me to offer this sacrifice. This must be the devil telling me not to do it. Because I know what God told me to do. No, the first word was from God. And the second word was from God. And if Abraham had not been sensitive to the second word of God, he would have killed his eyes. This tells me something about Abraham. That the years that had come gone between the, the previous chapter and this one, possibly 25 years or so, that he wasn't just sitting around. He was very close to God. He walked with a close relationship with God. He stayed in tune with God. He was a man of God, a man of faith, prayed up, full of the Holy Ghost. He knew the voice of God. So that when God told him to do it, he also knew the voice that told him to not do it. And you and I have to be very careful because sometimes God will require us things and then He'll say, I don't require it of you anymore. But you better make sure it's God. I'll give it back to you. I was just testing you. And I'm not going to get a lot of details. You've heard this testimony and I don't want to bore you with it because if I do, if I tell you, it'll just bore you. But I want to tell you, God required of me relationships. He required even the wife that I'm married to right now. He required her from me. He told me to put her on the altar. By the way, He gave her back to me. He had done that before with another girl, but he didn't give her back to me. But Christina, I put her on the altar and God gave Christina back to me. That's why I say sometimes he doesn't stop the sacrifice. You have to be sensitive to God. You put it on the altar, you give it to God, you let God take it out. You let God take it away. You let God remove it. And if he wants you to have it back, he'll give it back. You don't even have to worry about it. God will bring it back to you. And He's required those type of things in my life. Amen? Those type of things. And some He gave back and some He didn't give back. Glory be to God. Shows you the kind of love that Abraham had. Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Double denunciation of deity. Real quickly, when you go through the Bible, you're going to see this. And as I said, five names, five people in the Bible, God's called their name twice. If you look in the book of Hebrews in the 6th chapter, and I've got to move very quickly here. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll try my best to explain the double denunciation of deity. In Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says it this way. Verse 17, Wherein God willing more abundantly show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His promise. That means unchangeable. That God is unchangeable. Now listen to me. What was the name by which Abraham had a revelation of God in the previous chapter? What did he call him? The everlasting God. The God who does not change. Abraham's already got that revelation of God. The unchanging God. The God who provides for him continually. And now he's going to see that God is even going to provide for him in the sacrifice of his son. He knows that God is an unchanging God. And so we see here in the 6th chapter when God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel confirmed it by an oath. 
Are you seeing that? He confirmed it by an oath. He made a promise and then he swore he would keep his promise. He didn't just make a promise, one, but he swore by oath, two, that he would keep the promise. He backed that promise up by an oath. And the Bible says because he could not swear by any greater, he swore by himself. He said, I promise you, and I don't only promise you, but I swear, I put my oath on it. Hallelujah. God would have to stop being God for the promise not to come to pass. God would have to be dethroned off the throne of God before this promise would not come to pass. That's what God is saying. He said, I'm backing it up with me. So I'm going to make a promise, but I'm going to swear. Are you with me here today? And so when God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, Abraham, it's the double annunciation of, of God. It's one for transmission in the heavens and one for reception in the earth. Transmission in the heavens and reception in the earth. It's when God is going to change something. He's going to change. Uh, hallelujah. Abraham's uh, uh, the killing of Isaac going to change that so that Abraham can walk in the promise. Do you understand? So he says, Abraham, Abraham, I'm changing what I'm doing here. I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm giving you a second word here. Are you here right now? Abraham, Abraham. You can see Jesus in the New Testament when He came. He said, verily, verily, the double denunciation of deity. He said, I've come to change some things. Verily, verily, I say unto you. And when he makes that statement, what he's saying is, this is spirit. He's saying, are y'all here with me today? Abba, Abba, Father. Not just Abba, not just Daddy, but Abba, Father. The double denunciation of deity. He's speaking of spirit. And Jesus said, I have come to change some things. Here, I am the Word of God, said the Lord. When He said, verily, verily, He said, I am the Word speaking the Word. And I'm bringing change. It's a Word of covenant. If God ever comes to you and calls your name twice, what He's saying is this, I'm going to make a promise to you, but I'm going to back it up with an oath. And it's impossible for me to lie. If God ever comes to you with a double denunciation of deity, He said, I'm getting ready to change something in your life. He said, I'm getting ready to do a covenant thing with you. He said, I'm getting ready. Are you with me right now? To make a transmission. I'm going to speak it once in the heavens and one in the earth. Hallelujah. One in, tra one in transition in the heavens and one in reception in the earth. God is fixed to do something powerful. The double denunciation is showing you God is about to take control of the whole thing Himself. It may be an out-of-control situation, but God says, I'm coming in. I'm going to take control right now of an out-of-control situation. And when God comes to you that way, you cannot be lied to. Did you hear what I said? It is impossible for God to lie. If He comes and He says, Abraham, Abraham, He's telling you, I'm making a promise to you, and I'm going to back it up with my, my oath, myself. And I cannot lie to you. God comes to you that way. You cannot be lied to. It's God coming and taking complete control of what is going on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And so in the 6th chapter of Hebrews, this is what he's talking about. 
wherein God willing more abundantly show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel unchanging confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things which it was impossible for God to lie two immutable things two unchanging things number one his promise number two his oath he didn't just make a promise but he backed it up he swore on it give the Lord a praise he's a mighty God he said it's impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us amen give God praise and so when you see God speaking that double denunciation of deity it's a covenant thing. It's God in control. It's God saying, I swear, I swear, not only make a promise, but I swear on it. And, and you can't be lied to. I'm not lying. It will be done and nothing can stop it. I've come to change things. Verily, verily. Jesus said, I've come to change the way we do things. The way things are done. The traditions of men. You see what I'm saying? Uh, in the in the Old Testament book of Zechariah, the fourth chapter, the Bible talks about the headstone of the temple that they were called grace, grace unto it. So when a temple is to be rebuilt, there is a double denunciation that comes when a temple must be rebuilt. Call it grace, grace. Give God a hand clap of praise. And so. The Bible says in verse 12, it, it don't do the lad any harm. Praise God. He says, For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behind him a, caught, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh. Or Yahweh Yireh, Yahweh Yireh. I want you to listen carefully. He called it in the English Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yireh, Hebrew, as it is said to this day in the Mount uh, of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yireh, means the Lord my provider. But notice the literal translation of it is coming to us. It says, in this place the Lord shall see. What? Are y'all with me here today? He's saying right here at Mount Moriah, this is where the, the true fulfillment of this type is going to be fulfilled. He's seeing God in the future. In the 8th chapter of John, the Bible says, Jesus said, Abraham rejoice to see my day. Abraham in type saw God coming in the flesh, providing Himself a sacrifice. The eternal God becoming a man incarnate and dying for us. And not just making a promise to us, but swearing by oath through His Son. Now notice the Bible says, this ram caught in a thicket. He looked over there. He saw this ram caught in a thicket. Watch the thicket. The thicket. The, the, the thorns speak of sin. 
It speaks of the fall of man. And we see this ram caught in the thick. It's a picture of Jesus when he's hanging on the cross, caught up into the sins of the people, becoming the sin bearer, caught up in the sins of the people. In this place it shall be seen. The very place, Mount Moriah, that's where Jesus would die. And when you see him die, it's a fulfillment of the ram that's caught up in the thorns or the thicket or the sins of the people becoming the sacrifice. In verse 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. Do you see that? Abraham, Abraham's connected with the swearing. He said, I'm not only making a promise to you, but I swear. He said, because you did not, you were not, you would not withhold your son, your only son. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Abraham? His son was spared, but Jesus would not be. The only begotten Son of God would carry His wood, His cross up to Mount Moriah, and He would be crucified on that cross, and He would not be spared from that. But He would be raised again the third day. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But Abraham passed the test. So now we have the return. As I close... So Abraham returned unto his young men. They rose up and went together to Beersheba. That, remember, that's the, the well of Oath. <laughs> or the well of Seven, the well of Oath, same thing. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Wow. Can you imagine what that must have been like, Bishop? When Abraham makes his way, he's got his Isaac with him. And they're making their way back with those two servants and the ass, you know. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And God had provided a sacrifice there, that ram. How, what kind of joy must have been there? The victory that was there. The joy that was there. See, obeying God always brings great joy. When He comes to you and requires of you things and puts you to the test to test your love and you obey Him and you put it on the altar. When you do that, it brings such joy. Such victory. Hallelujah. A time of rejoicing. It's nothing like obeying the Lord no matter how hard it is. Once you do it, you have the victory and the joy and the reward that comes with it. Abraham made his way back home with, with great joy. I'm sure they were, if you will, giddy on the way home. All happy and celebrating. Hallelujah. Carrying a heavy burden. Hard travel. Difficult requirement. But he did it. And now all he's got is just a sense, you know, of joy and happiness He's returning back home with a promise. I'm sure Abraham probably thought in his, in his mind, God, you're requiring of me the promise. I'm sure he thought in his mind, even though he didn't question God, I'm sure he might have thought in his mind that if, if he does this, the people around him will think that the God that he worshipped was cruel like the other gods. But the God he worshipped gave the promise back to him. Unlike the heathen gods. And so, hallelujah. Are y'all with me here today? Sometimes, sometimes God comes to you and requires a sacrifice. In this case, an actual action, brother. 
Chris, something he wants you to do. And the next chapter, we'll see another sacrifice that's required. It has nothing to do with Abraham being required to do something. It has to do with a sacrifice in suffering. His wife is going to die. A different kind of sacrifice, but a sacrifice nonetheless. Not a sacrifice of doing something, but a sacrifice of suffering. Oh, but there's great happiness now. Have you ever been there? If you have, would you lift your hand? God came to you and put you to the test with something severe. And you obeyed the Lord. You did what He required, even though it was so difficult. And then after you did it, just the victory and the peace and the joy as you returned home. Hallelujah. The, the, just the battle and the struggle you're having to, to do it and then you do it and it's done and hallelujah isn't God good I said isn't God good have you ever been there praise the Lord rejoice you see Brittany said, it took me six months to get here. I've been trying to get here six months. She made it. Now she's rejoicing. Hallelujah to the Lamb. She knew what she needed. I know what I need. But are we willing to pay the price? And if you are, you're going to have that celebration, man. That victory is going to come. And, and, and it's just amazing. Even, even when you put it on the altar, or you put that person on the altar, when you do it, if God doesn't give it back to you, there's still something you know it's right. You've got peace and joy over it. But if He does return it back to you, you return home with celebration all the way. You know what, Brittany? Let me just say this to you. You keep on worshiping God. You're not bothering me in the least, okay? You praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying right now, but I mean, you know. Amen. Some of us have been in the church a long time. Praise the Lord. What's the matter with you? Hallelujah to the Lamb. God is good. But the great joy He had. He had succeeded in obeying God. He had succeeded in living for the Lord through a very difficult crisis. It was a crisis. Major crisis. The binding of a sacrifice. Now the joy, the reward of faith has come to him. So he returned to Beersheba, the well of oath. Now I want you to think about Sarah, what it must have been like for her when she looked up, because she also was in this test as well. She had her faults and failures, but she was in this test as well. And when she looked up and she saw Abraham, she counted one, two, three, four. One of them is my son. He's coming home. Hallelujah. The joy that even was, must have been in Sarah's heart as, as her son has been brought back from the dead. That which one that typically was dead is alive again. Whew. What celebration, what victory, what, what great joy was in their life that day. 
And then all of a sudden, as we come to a close today, just just sort of a little uh, aside thought. Hey, by the way, and it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor. Hey, by the way, your brother Nahor and Milcah, They're having kids. Why in the world would you talk about this at this time? It's perfect. Because after the sacrifice of the son, typically sacrificed and raised from the dead, what would you expect? You would expect that he would receive a bride. And so, hey, by the way, your brother and your sister-in-law are having babies and one of them's name is Rebecca and she's going to be the bride of Isaac. It's perfect. But when we read it, it's sort of like an animal. What's that doing? Milka and Nahor's having babies. Oh, oh good. And the Bible said, are y'all with me here? Huzz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Huzz and Buzz. Kimuel, the father of Aram, Hesed, Hatzal, Pildash, Jiblaf, Bethula, and Bethula begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Ruma, she bare also Teba, Gehem, Ahash, and Maacha. Hallelujah, however. <laughs> you just have to improvise. But you read that and you, you don't say, okay, oh, wow, great. <laughs> Abraham's brother and sister-in-law having babies. Great. No, it's perfect. God says after the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of the son, typically he will receive his bride, the church. Amen. And so it's just perfect. Would you stand? Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your mighty presence, your great grace and mercy in this life. Lord, and we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that has challenged us, Lord, to walk by faith. And Lord, those that are here today, God, that are hurting because of the trials they're going through and the tests they're in. Lord, we know, God, that you will bless them and that you've appointed those tests and those trials for this time in their life. Let us walk faithful, God, always to the end. We're thankful for the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, of your son. We thank you that you came in the form of a man and you died on the cross for us and that you have enabled us to be your bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and bless you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.